the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God blessed Israel. God prospered Israel as a nation. But Israel spent it on themselves. They didn't use God's blessings to glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And it even talks about in that same verse, whatever you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. Everything that we do, we should do it to the glory of God. Israel did it all to the glory of themselves. And that's the challenge, isn't it? To do what you do for God's glory and praise rather than for your own? As you read the Old Testament chronologically, you can see the rise of Israel from really nothing to this great power under David and Solomon, then their decline to eventual exile. Pastor Dan's teaching is taking you through the time before Israel is conquered by Assyria and taken into exile. It's a sad story of God trying to get their attention and get them to change before it's too late. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea chapter 10 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Before we get into Hosea, I just want to share a verse with you that I read this week in my quiet time, really ministered to me. I hope it ministers to you. If you have your Bible in Romans chapter 15, this doesn't count against my time, by the way. The clock hasn't started. Romans 15, verse 4, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. He's talking about the Old Testament. Whatever things were written before, meaning the Old Testament, were written for our learning to teach us. We've been going through the Old Testament on Thursday nights. We've been going through the Old Testament book of Genesis on Sunday mornings as a church together. That we, look what it says, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now that word patience there, when it talks about the patience of the scripture, the word means the steadfastness of the scripture or the constancy of the scripture, especially in difficult times. Isn't that great? The steadiness, the constancy of the scriptures in difficult times, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope, and hope is the expectation of coming good from the Lord. We just appreciate it and are so thankful for the constancy, the steadfastness of the word of God uh, over the last 19 months especially. So let's go to Hosea chapter 10 for our study. Hosea chapter 10. We're also going to look at Isaiah chapter 5. 
you want to go ahead and find that in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 5, Hosea chapter 10. Isaiah 5, Hosea 10. And I'm going to pray for us one more time before we get into Hosea. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the patience and comfort of the scriptures, Lord, that we've experienced week in and week out, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the way that you've ministered to us and spoken to us, Lord, from your word. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. Lord, I pray and ask that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, just as a review, remember Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. He ministered in the last days of the northern kingdom while the nation was in decline. Hosea will witness the destruction and captivity of the northern kingdom by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed because they had turned their backs on God and they turned their backs on God's commands. And so the cause of their destruction was spiritual. It played out economically, it played out politically, it played out militarily. But the root cause of it was spiritual. In Hosea chapter 10, God continues to lay out his case against Israel. He says in verse 1, Israel empties his vine, he brings forth fruit for himself. Now in the scriptures, Israel is often described as a vine or a vineyard. In fact, if you want to turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 5, we'll look at one of the better known passages, but there's several passages in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that describe Israel as a vine. And here in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, the Lord says, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, remember Isaiah is ministering in the southern kingdom of Judah at the same time that Hosea is ministering in the northern kingdom. He says, O now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? God has given them all that they need to succeed and prosper. God has given us all that we need for life, godliness. Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Verse 5, and now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, its protection, and it shall be burned. And I'll break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug. It'll be abandoned at the time of the captivity. But there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain on it. Verse 7, for the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. And he looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. So here he describes Israel, specifically Judah, as a vineyard 
and he planted a choice vine. He did everything that was necessary for this vineyard to produce fruit. But when he went to look for fruit, he found not good grapes, but wild grapes. Now, wild grapes are very bitter, and some wild grapes are even poisonous and deadly. And the thing about wild grapes is that wild grapes look just like good grapes. They look just like cultivated grapes. You can't really tell them apart outwardly. The way that you identify them as a wild grape is you actually have to open them up and look inside at the seed. The seed is different in a wild grape compared to a cultivated or an edible grape or a good grape as he calls it here. So outwardly they look the same, but the difference is found inwardly. And he says of his people Israel, I was looking for good grapes, but I found wild grapes. The people of Israel were like wild grapes. They appeared to be believers outwardly. They honored God with their outward religious activities. Remember Isaiah says elsewhere, they honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from God. And a person can appear to be a believer outwardly by their religious activities and their religious talk, but not really be born again. And not really have new life in Christ. Now in the New Testament, in John chapter 15, Jesus identified himself as the true vine. And his disciples are the branches. We are the branches of the vine. In John chapter 15, verses 4 to 6, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ, we can do nothing of any eternal value. He goes on to say, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. And John 15, I think, is a very... A very important passage for us because it tells us, Jesus tells us, that we need to simply abide in the true vine, Jesus Christ. And as we abide in Jesus Christ, godly fruit is naturally produced in our lives. We don't have to work for fruit. We don't have to strive in the flesh to produce godly fruit. We just abide in Christ. And as we abide in him, he produces fruit in us. Jesus said, you'll bear much fruit. I like that. Much fruit. As we simply abide in Christ, we'll bear much fruit for him. We'll bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that fruit will be to the glory of God. In Ezekiel chapter 15, we're told there in Ezekiel 15 that a grapevine is really good for nothing else but bearing fruit. It's all that it's good for. You can't take a grapevine and mill it down into boards and make a piece of furniture out of it. It's really good for nothing other than bearing fruit. And so too with you and me. Our sole purpose in life is to bear fruit for God. 
But look at verse 1 again, going back to Hosea. In verse 1, God says, Israel brings forth fruit for himself, not for God. God blessed Israel. God prospered Israel as a nation. But Israel spent it on themselves. They didn't use God's blessings to glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And it even talks about in that same verse, whatever you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. Everything that we do, we should do it to the glory of God. Israel did it all to the glory of themselves. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. It goes on in verse 1 to say, According to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. According to the bounty of his land, they have embellished his sacred pillars. The more God blessed Israel materially, the more ungodly Israel became as a nation. With their prosperity, they increased their altars. They embellished their sacred pillars that they used in their idolatrous worship. More wealth led to more sin. Instead of more wealth leading to more glory to God. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what this verse is saying here. Wealth and prosperity are not evil. Wealth and prosperity did not cause Israel to sin. The prosperity simply magnified what was already in their hearts. The prosperity allowed Israel to expand their sin or to take their sin to the next level. And what was true for Israel as a nation is true for an individual. Wealth and prosperity doesn't cause a person to do anything. It simply magnifies what's in a person's heart. So if it's in your heart to glorify God and you get more wealth, you're going to use that additional wealth to glorify God even more with it. If it's in your heart to sin, you're going to use it to sin. It's just going to show what's already in your heart. And so the more prosperity that Israel experienced from the blessing of God, just the more that they sinned, the more altars they built, the more sacred pillars they set up for their idolatrous worship. Look at verse 2. Their heart is divided. And now they are held guilty. And he, God, will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. Their hearts were divided. Here Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not half your heart or most your heart, all your heart. We're to be fully committed in our hearts to the Lord God. 
Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters at the same time, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If you're double-minded about Jesus Christ, if you have a divided heart, it will lead to instability in every area of your life. Israel was divided between the Lord God, Yahweh, and their idols. Now, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33, if you're taking notes, you can jot that down. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 33, I think, gives a summary, really, of Israel at this time. Listen to what it says. It says, they feared the Lord, yet they served their own gods. They feared the Lord. They had a reverence for God. They had a reverence for the Lord, but they served their own gods. That's the definition of a divided heart. Elijah, the prophet, also ministered in the northern kingdom of Israel sometime before Hosea. And Elijah said to the people, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Elijah said, don't have a divided heart. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But you need to choose. Don't have a divided heart. Choose which God you will serve. Joshua said to the people of Israel, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, you need to choose which gods you're going to serve. You can't have a divided heart. And then he said, as for me and my house, we made our choice. Our family's going to serve the Lord. And I think it's good for us to ask the Lord to search our hearts. And ask the Lord to search our hearts and to show us if we have a divided heart toward Jesus Christ. If we have a divided loyalty. You know, Lord, are there things in my life that compete with Jesus Christ for my devotion and my attention? Lord, is Jesus Christ really preeminent in my life? I want him to be preeminent, but is he preeminent? Lord, do I really love you with all of my heart? Are there other things in my life? That's God's desire for us. Is that we would have a singleness of heart for him. Now, because Israel refused to end their idolatry and break down their altars to their other gods, uh, the end, uh, the end of the verse here in verse two tells us, that the Lord God will do it. He will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. Since they didn't do it, he's going to do it for them. Look at verse 3, verses 3 and 4. For now they say, we have no king, because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Thus judgment springs up like hemlock, in the furrows of the field. Israel at that time was saying, we don't have a king. Now Israel did have a king. They had a king the entire time. But they said, we have no king. Now why were they saying that? Because, listen, their kings were incompetent. Their kings were incompetent leaders who were incapable of leading the nation or enforcing the laws 
of the land. And so it was as if the nation didn't have a king in the eyes of the people. Verse 4 indicates that the leaders that they did have were liars who made false promises to the people and covenants that they didn't keep. And I want you to note this here. I want you to note this. In the final years of the nation, Israel had a crisis of leadership. And listen to me. Incompetent leaders and incompetent leadership was a part of God's judgment against that nation. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 4, if you're taking notes, God says, I will give children to be their leaders and babies to be their rulers. And one way God may bring judgment on a nation is to curse that nation with incompetent and ungodly leaders who are incapable of leading the nation. Like handing the nation over to children to run the nation. And I want you to know, too, that the crisis of leadership that came in the nation of Israel in the last days of that nation, the crisis of leadership in the nation came at a time of great economic prosperity in the nation. The economy was going well. Stock market was booming. And God gave them incompetent leaders. And in addition to that, according to Isaiah 3 again, the incompetency of the leadership led to the oppression of the people. The people became oppressed under the incompetent leaders. And a breakdown in the order of society. And this was all part of God's judgment. When we hear or think of God's judgment, we think of fire coming out of heaven or something like that. Sometimes God just gives a nation incompetent leaders to judge them. And then look at the end of verse 4. The end of verse 4 says, Judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. God's judgment was springing up all over the nation. Like weeds. It wasn't one thing that was happening in the nation. It was a dozen things that were happening in the nation all at once. All over the place. And this was God's judgment. So it was God's judgment on the nation because the nation had turned its back on God. So verse 5, the inhabitants of Samaria fear because of the calf of Beth-Avon. For its people mourn for it and its priests shriek for it because its glory has departed from it. If you remember, we've talked about this in recent weeks. King Jeroboam set up a golden calf in the north in Dan and another golden calf at Beth-El. And that's what it's referring to here, the golden calf at Bethel. Bethel means the house of the Lord. But here, Bethel is called Beth-Avon, which means the house of wickedness. It was the house of the Lord before. Now it's the house of wickedness because they've got this golden calf there. And this golden calf now is carried away. Its glory departs. Verse 6 says, The idol also shall be carried to Assyria as a present for King Jerob. Ephraim shall receive shame and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. So their golden calf is carried away by the Assyrians as kind of a trophy for their king. Listen, you should never trust in a God that somebody else can steal and take away from you, right? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> but that's what happened. He asked me how I know and I 
Imagine the details of your life being used as a sign to an entire nation. Well, this was the case for the prophet Hosea. As Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Hosea, we trust that you've been following along and are gaining much truth from God's Word. Here on Ring of Truth, Pastor Dan teaches through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again or want to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once you get there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Just look under the Media tab. Otherwise, you can simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll be sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Hosea. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.